Welcome back to Novel Idea Podcast. I'm Liz. I'm Avalia. And today we're breaking down a book called Lakewood by Megan Giddings. We, uh, we've been a little bit late. We're trying to get more consistent. Stuff has been happening, okay? Ups and downs, roller coasters, but... Some good stuff, some not so good stuff, but it's all good. Yeah, but this book was definitely a ride. Enjoyed it a lot more than Molokai. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I I haven't read a book like this, and it was like a mind F, you know? This is a mind trip of a book, and I will say, I personally love stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I love TV shows like this. Mm-hmm. If you want a TV show like this, WandaVision is kind of similar in yeah. terms of trippiness. Mm-hmm. Legion. Oh, God, I can't even do that. Because in terms of the drug stuff. Way trippy, yeah. Yeah. Anything where I don't know 100% what's going on because the narrator is unreliable, I love it. For me, I love being able to predict what's going to happen. And so because I couldn't... No predictions And because this book isn't big, I'm like, okay, how is this going to wrap up? Because it feels like it's not going to. So once again, this is Lakewood by Megan Giddings. And it's not very long. How many pages is it? It was like 272? 274. It's a quick read. It's a quick read. You don't know what's going on through most of the book. So I'm going to read a quick synopsis that I wrote myself because I'm trying something new here. Okay. To actually take notes and write stuff down. Yeah, actually take this podcast seriously. (laughs) This whole hobby that we started together. All right. A college-age woman is struggling between school and her very sick mother. After the death of her grandmother, she is now in charge of trying to pay for insurance and medical bills while maintaining her GPA to keep her scholarship for college, where she's an art major. Oh my god, like the first thing that I was Relatability. Like, yeah, you're a person of color and you went to school for art? Eh. Yes. And a lot of her art struggles, you know, obviously I am white, so I don't relate to being black, but I related to the struggling art student. Yeah, and then just basically thinking like, What am I going to do with this? Yeah. So she goes through that. Anyway, while looking for summer work, she receives a letter for a government-funded medical research study. It pays $3,000 for, what was it, one week of studying her? Yeah, they were, like, seeing if she could do the full study. Right. After the weird initial study, she is offered the opportunity to keep being studied full-time. Amazing pay, full insurance, a healthy mom. How much is her freedom actually worth? Yeah. So we got the main character, Lena, the grandma who passed away, is Miss Tony, her mother is Desiree, and then there's the side characters that we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. So let's uh, dive into this book. One thing off the bat that I really liked about this book was that, like, not all the dialogue was in quotations. It was like you were reading it like she was just having a conversation with you in her diary. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I really like that. It, it took some getting used to, but I actually really enjoyed that because it meant that these weren't full quotations, quote unquote, of the situation. She was just right. synopsizing what was happening. And I did also like, this is another favorite trope of mine that's more not everybody's going to agree with this and not everyone's going to like it. But when the book starts, it just throws you into the middle of her grandma's um, funeral's reception. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you're right in it. Like, it starts, it's beginning, you're there. There's no, like, let me set the stage, let me set the scene. I'm not a big play person. I don't really like plays. 
And I wonder if that's why, because I don't, like, just throw me in. Just yeah, let me figure it out. You're wasting my time until intermission, and then that's the stuff that we want to see. Yeah. I love figuring out as I go along, and especially because her and her mom don't really have a maternal relationship. Yeah, she viewed her grandmother as her mother. Right. So Lena, the main character, keeps mentioning Desiree, and so it did take me a little bit to be like, oh, Desiree's her mom. Yeah, and I was like, Miss Tony, that's her mo- her grandma? Yeah. It took a while for me to figure that out, too. Yeah, so Lena, the main character, her mom, Desiree, is very sick. She's had seizures, fainting spells. Her memory is horrible. She goes into, like, rages, kind of like an Alzheimer patient mm-hmm. of, like, she doesn't know what's happening, so she gets angry and frustrated and mm-hmm. lashes out. Yeah. And so she gets really bad migraines too. Yeah, that horrible make migraines. Her super nauseous. And Miss Tony, Lena's grandma, has basically been raising Lena, and then they've both kind of been taking care of Desiree this whole time. Yeah. But now Miss Tony is gone. She's dead. Yeah, and it sucks because her grandmother was like dealing with the house that they were living in, dealing yeah. with the medical bills, and now. Desiree can't do that because of her health issues. It's all on Lena, which she's also a college student. Who is in college on a full-ride scholarship, but, you know, as all college people know, to keep your scholarship, you have to keep your GPA up. Yeah, so they don't care about your issues. And so she's now in this horrible position where she's like, I have to find a job. I have to find a way to keep my mom's insurance and to pay all these bills because... In the first section of the book, she goes into a lot of the issues they face with her mom's diagnosis where a lot of doctors don't believe her. Yeah, they never gave her a complete answer. And so it's just like you're dealing with this stuff. There's proof that something's wrong, but there's no legitimate name for what's going on. Oh, it's just woman problems. You're probably just stressed. It's probably this. It's probably that. Which is also crazy because that happens to people who are even sane and don't have mental issues. So another big part of this book is um, high relatability. Mm-hmm. Anyone, middle, working class, you will understand exactly where this girl, girl is coming from. She she went to do an interview to be a freaking blue corn chip for a taco place. <sighs> I donated plasma regularly she, in college, okay? Because I needed money for gas. And I hated the fact that I couldn't donate plasma, donated once, and fully collapsed. Yeah, so... Turns out my body doesn't like it when you take blood from me. Yeah, so, yeah, I had this person on Facebook be like, oh my god, like, oh, like, like this post if you never had to donate plasma for money. And I'm like, you were very fortunate, okay? Yeah. Because I donate my eggs if I could. The only reason I didn't is because um, I am depressed and anxious, and they don't want depressed and anxious eggs for people, so. Which, and even I was very fortunate through my college years. You know, I had a lot of family support. My dad, you know, paid my rent Mm -hmm. because he loves me. Hi, Dad. Thank you for paying my rent through college. Yeah, yeah, for real. Well, also, like, she was talking about how she thought about donating her eggs, too, but they don't Nobody wants black eggs. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, probably no one's going to say it, but it's the truth. And so, you know, she ran into a lot of problems that I think a lot of college students run into when they're trying to make money is, like, how can I make a quick buck? Exactly. Because... You know, we both worked, you worked a lot more than I did in college. And it was, yeah, I'd love to do extracurriculars and extracurriculars and fun stuff and join these clubs and all the teachers and professors are like, oh, do this, this, this. And it's like, that's great. But, you know, you were working 40 hours a week. Yeah. How can I 
work 40 hours a week and also still give 100% to this school. And that's what sucks with her is because she needs even like something shorter because she yeah. actually really 100% needs to focus on school to keep her scholarship or she won't be able to go. So right. she can't be doing a 40 hour work week like I was doing. But at the same time, she's also the one who now has to provide for her own mother. Man, that's so much stress. And she has like neighborhood help and stuff like that. But, you know, they still expect to get paid. Mm -hmm. And so she's trying to finagle deals here and there. And because she can't leave her mother alone for too long, because if she collapses or has a seizure, you know, someone needs to take care of her and they're running out of medication because they can't afford it. So this all sets up how desperate yeah. this character is. This was like the first chapter. Yeah, it, it hit hard. Of like, like So now you understand why she jumped at this opportunity yeah there's a random letter where it almost seems too good to be true but i am not gonna lie i would have done the exact same thing see i i think i definitely would have questioned it more but i think that also relates back to um i don't like people poking and prodding sure me. you're like a study yeah never mind so anyway so this character lena she gets a letter in the mail and it's an offer to do a government study for health research and there's not much detail. So she goes to actually her best friend and her best friend's name is Tanya. Tanya. Right? Yeah. And Tanya's like, oh, you should talk to Stacy because his older brother Kelly has done one. And this is where we get introduced to Kelly. And so she kind of talks to Kelly about it while also flirting. Yeah, I was like, it's not that I don't think that boys can have girl names or stereotypical well, girl names. joke about it in the book. Yeah, she was like, so your parents really didn't think too hard about your names, did they? Right, like <laughs> Kelly and Stacy. Isn't his brother gay? Yeah. Kelly's gay. Stacey's no, no, no. Not. Kelly is the love interest. Kelly and Stacy is the younger brother. He's gay. gay. Okay. Because Kelly lives out of state. Okay. But, um... Do you understand how I got confused? <laughs> <laughs> but Kelly had done something similar, and he was like, no, they're usually pretty legit, especially if it's government-funded, and so I think that was the turning point of her being like, it offers all these benefits. And so that was the precipice of her taking this position, actually, or this government funding project and accepting it, was that she had her best friend and her best friend's best friend's brother saying, yeah. it's good, it's fine, you're yeah. chill. Yeah, it's been vouched for. And then also, like, with all the money, she's making three grand in one week to do this study to enter into this whatever thing and she's like it's one week i can make it through one week yeah i mean that's incredible that's like more time for her to be able to do what she needs to do instead of wasting time out of some stupid corn chip job and she does mention that like the three grand is more than she would make all summer working at the corn chip job yeah, yeah. so the corn chip job i think we're not explaining that she would literally be dressed as a corn chip to promote this like restaurant yeah and then the freaking manager was like mm, i don't know if you're corn chip material and you know maybe if you're a corn chip then maybe we can have you as like a cashier later it's like bro this isn't disneyland okay like, <laughs> am i a cast member <laughs> yeah me alone like it's not my dream to be a freaking corn chip and to move up the fucking corn chip ladder sorry <laughs> about the f word mom you don't want to be a professional corn chip <laughs> yeah i would be embarrassed bro okay but anyway so she's like blow this corn chip job. I'm going to go get She's studied. Right. So she goes to the facility and this one is like in town because later in the book, obviously she's not in her hometown. 
Oh yeah, it's so funny. It was like at a at a shopping center or something. Yeah. And the directions were like, yeah, if you go here, then you like went too far, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, if I didn't get that, I probably wouldn't know what door to go through. Yeah. So she comes in and they give her this NDA. She has to sign this long NDA. She has to hand over her cell phone. She has to give her social security number. Seriously? Oh my God. And then the passwords to everything on her phone. As soon as you ask for my passwords and my social security number, I'm out. A hundred percent, I'm out. I'm like, bro. Three um, grand is not worth giving up my identity. Like, got some fan fictions that I read that are kind of <laughs> embarrassing. And I don't want to take that into account. You know what right. I mean? Like, this is about me, right? It's not about my literary choices, all right? Super sketch. Okay. I don't need you looking at the TikToks I watch. Thank you. <laughs> okay, you're going to think that I'm a mad black person, because I am. My friends send me really random TikToks and memes and weird shit that I don't need government people looking at. Okay, I'm sure they do anyway, but yeah, not like, me specifically. That doesn't, like, build me as a whole person. You don't know <laughs> all about me from the TikToks that I watch, Okay. So she gets in this facility. She signs the NDA. She actually does a- agree to everything, which in my mind, I'm a. like, red flag, girl, red flag. $3,000. I get, I don't know. I guess if you're that, de- I think that's what this book is trying to prove is like, she's so desperate. Her mom is so sick and she has no money. So it's like, what else am I supposed to do? If all of these things were happening in a sequential period of time that was like of a year, maybe yeah. she wouldn't. But this is all happening all at the same time. So right. the anxiety, the stress is all ramped up where you're like not even thinking logically because you're like, bro, how am I even going to move forward if I don't have money to and like do what I need to do? In the back of her mind too, she's still thinking like my friends vouched for this. Mm-hmm. Like I have the support of my friends. You know, everybody thinks this is a good idea, so I'm going to do it. So she gets in and this first week is basically questions after questions after questions. They're digging into like, her personal beliefs, her ideologies, like ripping her down to the core, essentially. And it's one of those things where like, there's no right or wrong answer. And honestly, an honest answer could still be misconstrued. And she, especially this character, Lena, is very concerned with how her answers come across. And that's a like a whole thing through the book is that every time she answers, she almost answers a little bit fake sometimes mm-hmm. because she's like, I need to give the answer they want because I cannot be kicked out of this study. I need this money. I feel that. Where she's like, I know that people don't want me to talk about this, so I'll stop, but I'm still going to be wondering what I want to wonder, you know? And she does that, um, she mentions, like, in her corn chip interview. Oh, yeah. How she put on her relaxed, I'm happy, so I'm not taken as an angry black woman. Oh, yeah, she she mentioned that, like, she always spoke a little high so that she would be taken more, I guess, like, as, like, not a threat. Yeah, more innocent, more young. Yeah, when she felt comfortable, then her voice was lower. And I think there was a part in the book where she said that, like, oh, I realized I didn't even, like, put on my fake voice. I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. (laughs) How stressful must that be? Full-blown in it. So room after room, they're asking her questions like, how does it feel to be a woman in America? Do you think it's unfair to be a woman in America? And then she's kind of answering from her places like, well, do you mean as a woman or do you mean as a black woman? Yeah. Which one? Because it's two vastly different answers. Yeah, because I don't know what it's like being a white woman. I don't know. And they ask about her sex life and her menstruation and just like childbearing questions and just it's very uncomfortable. And then... They eventually put her in a room where they're like, you're in here. Another person is in another room. 
I want you to try to read their mind. Oh, they had given her something too, right? They gave her something to draw. So they're like, draw what comes to mind when you hear this sound. Mm. Because the person's going to think of something. Yeah, that's right. When So it's, we're going to play a sound. The person in the other room is going to think of something with that sound. And you're going to draw what they're thinking of. And that part was kind of weird to me because they never confirmed whether or not she was doing well. Also, they never explained what the hell it was they were studying. This is... This is the type of book where if you want answers, you're not going to be happy because yeah, you never find out. Megan was not giving you any answers at all. No answers, Megan. Megan, where are my answers? Yeah, I got a lot of questions for you. Got a lot. Yeah. So she finishes this week's study. It kind of mentally drained her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not kind of. It mentally drained her. Yeah. They then offer her a position to go basically full time. And they give her a whole fake job. They're like, you're going to pretend to work at a warehouse. And we're going to give you a daily descriptor of what your day was like. This was all like so, so weird. sketchy, man. So it's like a whole ploy. The warehouse she works in, it looks like a real warehouse. They tell her like what her person did every day. So if someone calls her, she can say, this is what I did. That's and so she, weird. She has to, when she enters the facility, she has to give her phone over. But they're going to set her up. In an apartment, free of charge, they're going to pay for her mom's insurance, all her mom's medical bills. They're going to give her very generous compensation. The type of compensation, they never list a number, but I can only imagine, because she mentions it would pay for her entire school. Yeah. She wouldn't have to worry about scholarships whatsoever. Yeah. What was weird, though, especially when she was doing, like, that one-week trial, the people there had her phone, and they were texting her friends and her mom as her, and, like, no one noticed. Yeah. That's terrifying. And they basically mentioned, like, hey, if you're, like, not able to answer your phone, we have your phone, that's what we're going to do. And she was like, how is it that this person that's supposed to know me better than everyone doesn't notice that it's not me? Well, she didn't realize that till the actual study. Oh. That was later. Oh. Yeah. She got it out of order. But to be fair, this book is so crazy. We're going to get into the crazy stuff. This was the preamble. You could literally mix the events and it would still be a crazy book. Like this, everything we've talked about thus far is literally just the preamble. This is just the stuff that is setting up the main plot line. And the main plot line goes bonkers freaking yonkers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't even know. So she mulls it over and she finally agrees. She agrees to do this crazy study where she has to drop out of school. She moves to the town of Lakewood, which is the title of the book. Also, my dad says he wants us to say the title of the book more when we talk in our podcast. Oh. So once again, we're reading Lakewood by Megan Giddings. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, dad. <laughs> He's our consistent listener. I know, right? I gotta appease him. Yeah, right? <laughs> gotta get that one listen every month. Yeah, Spotify numbers. <laughs> so she agrees to go. She moves. And this is where... She does transition and she starts talking to her best friend, but not really. Mm -hmm. She starts journaling and writing letters to her best friend as kind of a way to keep her sane almost. Like she's under an NDA. She's not allowed to talk to anyone about what she's actually doing. So everybody in her life is kind of like, you're just going to disappear. You're going to leave us all behind. You're not going to come back to school. Da, 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 da. 
So this is her way of kind of keeping in contact, even though she can't really. Like, she can still contact everyone. She just can't tell them what she's actually doing. And it's crazy, too, because, like, I remember she was talking about how, like, if she had explained this to her grandmother, her grandmother would have been ripping it apart. Girl. It would have been like, what the heck do you think you're doing? And so she was describing it to her mom, and her mom's like, okay, I know that you'll make the right choices. Like, wasn't even thinking that it was this random thing. So she starts, and one of her first observations when she starts this brand new job, job quote fake unquote, job, yeah, is that all of the subjects who are going to be studied are either black or Latin, mm-hmm. and all of the scientists are white. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's on the cover of the book. It says this is kind of like Get Out. I guess kind of. I didn't really get those vibes. No, I didn't either. But it's more just like, I guess, white people studying not white people. It's funny, like, now after that movie, anytime it's, like, white people against black people, it's always like, oh, it's like, get out. out. It's like, no, get out with its own thing. It also said this book was, like, Handmaid's Tale. I didn't get any of those vibes. Yeah, I think Lena was a lot more empowered. Yeah. In a lot of ways. She was smart. She was doing this for her mom. I mean... I don't think fully smart because as we're about to discuss some of this stuff that would have happened, I've been like, and I'm out. Goodbye. See, but the thing is, I can't 100% say that I do the same because I don't know. Yeah, you're not. I've been, girl, I've been desperate where I'm like, could I be a stripper? Could I sell drugs? Could I donate my eggs? I've been there. Yeah. I've never committed because it's like, okay. That would actually take time away from my school. I can't travel to another town to have doctor's appointments for them to do egg stuff. That's literally the only reason why I didn't do that. Yeah. And besides that, they didn't want depressed eggs. I think my BMI was too high, which is like, well, fuck you. I'm depressed. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm trying to sell my eggs. Yeah. Like, bro, I would have time to work out if I had money and I didn't need to work. So she gets introduced to the people she's going to be quote unquote working with and they all have like job titles so she meets charlie who is a manager on paper Mm -hmm. they're all subjects but they all have job titles so that when they talk to their family and friends they can be like i'm the manager and i'm a peon and i do this and i'm in shipping yeah and i'm the so every single day she gets a script of like a bat got into the warehouse you want a new headset you ask charlie your manager it's, it feels like you're reading the description of an office episode where it's Very like, much. this is kind of weird that someone's job is to do this. And so thus begins the study, the mind trippiness. This is where things legitimately just go off the rails. At first, they're just kind of doing more of the questions, mm-hmm. more of the try to read this person's mind, etc., etc. And then very early on, she's been talking more with a very specific doctor. So she formed kind of a bond with this doctor named Dr. Lisa. And Dr. Lisa, I don't know, it gives me the vibes that she was the most in charge, mm-hmm. even though sometimes she pretended she wasn't. Yeah, it seemed like... We're going to get more yeah. into that. But there was something that happens eventually that you're like, I think you're in charge, ma'am. Mm-hmm. But so her and Dr. Lisa have formed this bond. And then some of the other scientists are like, hey, we're going to make her do the cabin study. And Dr. Lisa's kind of against it. Yeah, she's like, is she ready for that? She's like, just got here. Yeah, but they're like, no, we're going to do it. So <laughs> this part, honestly, this part scared me more than anything in this book. I, for me, I don't like things that don't have an explanation. Yeah. And that didn't have any explanation at all. 
So they take her to a cabin in the middle of the woods. They put her in there. They say, you're not allowed to leave. That's the rule. And she's like, okay, I can do that. They gave her food. They gave her water. She can find a corner to go to the bathroom in. It is what it is. She's kind of in and out. You know, she's there. She's like sleeping. I mean, what can you do? There's like nothing to do. So you just sleep. Eventually one day she wakes up and there's an iPad in the room or a tablet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. You know, copyright infringement. Yeah. (laughs) Not an iPad. A tablet. At first, she's kind of scared to watch it. She's like, am I supposed to touch this? Am I not supposed to touch this? So she does. And it's basically just a quiz of like, do you feel like you're still sane? Do you feel like you're going crazy? Do you feel claustrophobic? And then at the very end, it plays a video. Oh my God. This is what got me. Yeah, she like, oh, do you feel like, you know, you're crazy? But watch this first. Okay, so the video is basically a video of her and a man. And they're like facing each other on the table. And he's like asking her questions and... Lena in the video is telling him, no, she doesn't know or something. And he basically like slaps her and punches her and and stuff. And strangles her. And strangles her. And and Lena in the cabin is like, I don't don't remember this. this. When did this happen? What is this? And it is really creepy. You know, like, what have you been doing to me? That video like this has been taken. Or is it one of those like deep fakes or something? I don't know. And then it gets to the end and it's like, do you remember this? And she's like, no, I don't. I'm sorry. No, I don't like the fact that someone can fiddle with my mind Mm. and take things and have things happen to me that I won't remember. I'm already like not there 100%. Mm. And you're exploiting even more of that Mm -hmm. where I cannot trust myself. And that's basically the crux of this book. It's where it's like, you really can't even trust your own memories, your thoughts, what you feel, because everything else is telling you contrary. That's what, from this point on, she becomes a very unreliable narrator. Because they start giving all of the subjects drugs and different drugs and this and that. And it's warping their minds slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. So it does get to a point in the book where you don't even, as the reader, know what's going on. And it's like so many things happen where you're like, what was it that caused this? Who freaking knows? They're like given stuff constantly. No yeah. explanations for it either. Not even like, oh, this is a drug we're testing to cure cancer. Bro, it's there's... Just- they hey, take this. There was this one that they took, right? Like, all of them took it. After they took it, then the observer was like, oh, like, none of the girls are on their periods, right? And they were like, no. And you should have asked that yeah, way before. The observer was like, oh, thank God. And Lena in the book was like, we're, we're people. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? So, a part of this office, because it is set up like an office when they go in before they get tested. It's three floors. How boring. Can I, I like, lean a bed? I don't want to <laughs> actually sit at a freaking computer and, like, have to pay for drinks in a machine. So there is a secretary, and the secretary... Bethany. Yes. Is overly cheerful, and she's quite a lot. And everybody kind of gets exasperated with her. One day she comes in, <gasps> and her teeth are falling out. She's kind of in this weird delusional state, and she starts Pulling out her own teeth. Yeah, it was... With her hands. So crazy. Like, it was like she was outside of her body. And then she was, like, looking at Lena, like, oh, like, they're still warm. And, like, the blood is everywhere, and everybody starts kind of, like, vomiting. And the next day, she's gone. Yeah. And And they try to ask about her, and they're like, who's Bethany? Yeah. Like, she never existed, and she's... No, but Dr. Lisa had asked her... How many teeth did she lose? And Lena oh, was right. like nine. 
And Dr. Lisa's like, how do you know that? It's like, I think I remember how many Someone fucking teeth their own this teeth chick, br- like, pulled her teeth out. But that was Charlie, though. Charlie, her quote-unquote manager, mm. is kind of like, everyone there is kind of playing this kind of dumb. Yeah, don't ask too many questions. Don't ask. Don't, don't think too much. So Charlie, we should we should explain Charlie. He's in this study, but he actually grew up in the town of Lakewood. Which, it sounds like worse than where we're from. And Lakewood um, is a predominantly white area. And so he was one of the few black kids growing up. So he faced a lot of racial issues and stuff like that. Lots of racism. Kind of crazy, too, because Lena was trying to get into that. And it was like he wasn't answering like what she wanted him to answer. Anytime she asks too much, like too difficult of questions to Charlie, he shuts down. He won't answer her. He'll just change the subject. And I'm like trying to form a connection with you as a person of color and as a person of color doing this experiment. And it's like you're playing their game, too. And even though they're in this study, she still has to do like a work day. So she goes to work, which is the study. And then she does go home and then she has her evenings and her weekends and She's supposed to kind of be blending into the town. So she's trying to figure out, like, how do I, as a black person, blend into this town? Yeah, like, how did you do it your whole life? Because it yeah. seems like it freaking sucks. But he seems to know that the what these studies are. He's just not saying. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the secretary has ripped out all her teeth. Time goes by. This secretary is replaced with a woman named Judy. 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 You know what's crazy? I, Bethany had put up a poster and it was like, it said stressed is just dessert backwards. Right. Right? And so Judy comes in. With a piece of like pie on it or something. Yeah. So Judy comes in. There's a new poster. It says the same thing, but it's a different dessert. Right. Which is weird as hell. And this Judy, as I say this Judy... She's very like, come on, guys, let's all be healthy. Let's start exercise. Like, legitimately acting like an office worker stereotype. Like, someone from office space. Yeah, like, ooh, let's get our steps in. Ooh, keto. And she's like, too much. And she's like, oh, we should have a party, an office party. And she's emailing them every five minutes. And it's like, you know we're not actually in an office, right? Oh, yeah, sending Lena an email like, oh, I see you didn't answer my email. Like, if you saw that, bitch, then why'd you send another email? This isn't a real job, hon. Did they tell Judy it was? Yeah. Because she was acting like it was. It was but so weird. The receptionist was the only person in this whole group that was white. Yeah, she is always white. Yeah. And so it's very dodgy. Mm. Charlie and Lena make a joke of, man, I wish she would get detoothinated. Yeah, I basically. wish she'd get bethany <laughs> And the next day, it's a different Judy. Yeah. This is where you start realizing that Lena might not be as reliable as you think she is. Yeah. Because she talks to Judy, this new Judy, apparently. With a new poster, by the way. New dessert. Stressed is just desserts backwards. And the new Judy is like, it's me. It's Judy. And also, quick side note. Yeah. With this whole Judy thing. Mm -hmm. So Judy supposedly... We don't know for sure. Keeps getting replaced by new Judies through the book. There's like three Judies, apparently. All I can think about is Avatar, The Last Airbender. If you've ever seen that show in uh, Ba Sing Se. Yeah, first season, yeah. In first season, there is Judy, and she's like this creepy tour guide for Ba Sing Se. I'll show you everywhere you need to go. You don't need to explore on your own. But she smiles like really wide. 
And then when she breaks a little bit, they replace her with a new Judy. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm Judy. And they're like, no, you're not. There's another girl. She's like, I'm Judy. So I'm like, I wonder if this author watches Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. like this That's is, all I could think about yeah, with the like, name Judy. You're just like gaslighting them. But so anyway, <laughs> back to the book. No, but that's like a freaking good point. I didn't even catch that. I know. I don't. I think it was just the name was so weird. Like, that's such a specific name to choose. I remember Lena also being like, okay, this Judy, like, her eyes are closer together and this and that. How weird. But we are going to get into maybe that this is the same Judy. So the next test they kind of perform on Lena is they put eye drops in her eyes. And it turns her eyes blue, naturally blue. She starts looking in the mirror and she's like, she kind of likes it, but she's unsure about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, like, exotic. Yeah. And, like, the first thing they ask her is, like, oh, do you feel more beautiful? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you, it's, like... The underlying question is, how many Caucasian features can we basically give you? Yeah, like, is this ounce of whiteness, does that make you happier about how you look? And so they take her to a bar. Which is so freaking weird. I, honestly, I tensed up at this part because, mind you, she's been drugged several times now. She has this new eye color. They're obviously putting her in situations that are meant to make her uncomfortable. This scene actually oh, um, was so tense. Infuriated me because, like, as a mixed person, okay, so she has blue eyes. The observer that is with her is like somewhere down the bar, kind of like out of the way. Yeah, and, like the scientist. Yeah, people are constantly approaching Lena. men. Men. Um, Telling her how beautiful she is. Bright eyes. Yeah, like wanting to buy her drinks, da-da-da. She notices that the black people, especially the black women in, in the bar, aren't really giving her attention, aren't really paying attention to her. And, you know, she's just thinking about how weird it is. It's kind of like, you know, maybe I'd kind of like my own eyes. And so she's getting all of this attention. She goes to the bathroom to kind of like wash her hands. And there's a black woman that's also in the bathroom washing her hands. And Lena's like, oh, hey, what's up? And the black lady's like, you know, you, you're, you're still beautiful. Like, you don't have to wear contacts to feel like you need to be beautiful. And that was, like, heartbreaking because, you know, society tells black women that they're not beautiful the way they are. Their butts are too big. Their hair is too big. Their boobs are too big. Their hips are too wide. They're too dark. They're too light. Blah, blah, blah. It's a common comment that I hear, especially, like, I hear it more with um, male celebrities. Mm-hmm. When it's a black celebrity and he has, like, green eyes or something, it's like, oh, he's got that light eyes. Oh, yeah, he's exotic. What is, what is he mixed with? Yeah. And it, like, it, it really puts you in that perspective of not everyone finds that comforting. Like, that's not something you should aim for. But also, it begs the question, okay... So she's not ugly the way she was. But with blue eyes, all of a sudden she has all of this attention. Right. And so because she's not all the way what you think black should be, that's intrigue. That's right. exotic. That's something that I want to be about. That's when you start to get any questions of, what are you mixed with? Like, why are your eyes like that? Just the interest of, like, now I want to fetishize you because you're right. different. And so, like, as a mixed person... People all the time asked me what I was mixed with. Everybody yeah. asked if I was biracial. Everybody asked, like, was my hair real, blah, blah, blah. That's half the reason why I shaved my hair. Yeah. And I used to have purple contacts because it's like, you know, why not? I want to look like a snake. Did you ever know? Did you ever get more attention if you had your purple contacts? Yeah. On? Everybody asked me if they were real. And I'm like, you know, this is kind of weird now because I'm like, I'm not. Yes, I have naturally purple eyes. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. And I don't want to yeah. ever... 
You just like the color purple. Yeah, I don't want to ever act like I don't think that I'm beautiful the way that I am either. Yeah, yeah this whole part was like, it makes you... Bro, crush. it literally, society gaslights women so much where it's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to like because of what I've been told that I'm supposed to like. What if she did just wear blue contacts because she liked blue contacts, but then does she only like blue contacts because society tells her that yeah. that's more attractive? Or is does it, she actually like it? Yeah, it, this is because she wants to appear more white right. to be you know favorable to white people? Or is it because she just genuinely likes the way she looks in them? And it's like a fun like surprise sometimes. On a lighter note of this whole situation, I did have like a question. Okay, so... I am not a fan of contacts, colored contacts, sure. because they freak me out yeah. because your pupils don't dilate. Yeah, it is weird. So her pupils are obviously dilating. Mm. So my thing is like, okay, I can understand because men barely recognize when a woman is or is not wearing makeup. Thank you. How did the woman not realize they were her real eyes? Well, I'm sure like she wasn't like all up in her face. But the thing is too... Like, I def but I definitely notice, even at a glance, if it's contacts are real. I think it's one of those things where, like... Or is it, like, a prejudgment? If you're black and someone has blue eyes... I actually follow a YouTuber and TikToker. Her name is Sydney. Sydney Black. And she Shout actually, out to Sydney Black. Yeah, she's beautiful. Great videos. They're great. Check her out on YouTube. But she actually has naturally blue eyes. And I think I've seen her. Yeah, yes. she does. She has naturally blue eyes. Everybody thinks that they're fake. Because they look super blue. And it's one of those mm. things where, in your mind, you're like, black people can't have good hair. That can't be natural. Black people can't have blue eyes. Like, you're lying mm -hmm. to me. I need to fucking sort this out because this is a lie. You're lying to me. This isn't what I'm used to. So I 100% believe that another black person would be like, yeah, no, you're doing this for attention. Because she really does have blue eyes. And... I could see how people would think they're fake because I do not see a lot of black people with blue eyes. But also, why would someone lie about that for so long? Yeah. And she's like actually done videos where she's like, okay, I'm going to put in brown contacts to see how I look because these are my real eyes, you know? So. And uh, I don't know anybody that wants to put contacts on contacts. Oh, yeah. She had to film the video like twice because it was like very uncomfortable for her. But yeah. yeah, her eyes are naturally real. Her mom actually has one blue eye and one brown eye, so... Kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know. I forgot the term for that. Heterochromia. Yeah. Oh, also the these... only reason I remember that is because of X Men. Yeah. There's these <laughs> these sisters on on TikTok too. One looks very light skinned and the other one's black, but she has like crystal blue eyes, and everyone's like, her eyes are fake, but they're not. So it it exists, but it's so it. unnatural to people that they're like, that's fake. So, I guess I I don't think I was picturing them as striking as probably they were. Mm -hmm. I think I was picturing them as more like a subtle blue. I yeah. think because my eye, like I have blue eyes, but they're more like a gray blue. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I was just naturally projecting my own blue eyes onto her where I, it wouldn't be as like, but now that you mention Sydney, mm -hmm. I am picturing how blue that would look. Yeah, and it's like, that's not fake blue. That's yeah, like real that's blue. That's a legit blue. And you're like, what kind of, like... Um, brand contacts you have, you know, I totally <laughs> what get deal it. you got? And it's kind of terrifying to think that, What's like, your promo code? we would automatically assume that it was fake. Yeah. And it could actually be real. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, this part actually resonated with me a lot, where I'm like, wow, this is a mind trip. To be basically told, like, you're not beautiful the way you are. These people want this. Because now thinking back, I do remember people asking you about your contacts all the time. It's like, okay, now I don't want to have this be a question. Because you were just have. like... I'm going to have contacts. I might as well make them fun. Yeah. I don't think your thoughts were, I got to look more white. It was yeah. just, my favorite color is purple. 
it'd be cool to have purple yeah, eyes. Yeah, and then it was like a mistake because now it's opening conversation <laughs> about. I really hate when people ask me what I mix with because then it just seems like they're trying to breed me or something. Yeah, it's like what doesn't matter. What's your to genealogy? You? We need to know. Oh yeah, so this guy that went to my church, he was dating this chick, and she wanted to know what I was mixed with because she wanted her kids to have my hair. No, that's that's weird. And also, that's weird. This is coming from someone who was white and black mixed. Yeah, so I'm like, girl, you should know that that's like not cool. Also, we're not animals, okay? You don't get to pick features and breed it in or out. Man, that's weird. This is a whole other issue too, where. I think some people have discussed it on TikTok where, like, some white women do want to be with, be with black men to have mixed kids. And that's weird. It's a fetishization, you yeah. know? It's that, like, fetishizing of different races, especially, I feel like, as white people, I think sometimes you can feel, like, quote-unquote boring, and it's like you want something more ethnic because we're, like... It's like from a young age, it's like, it's exotic because it's not you. Yeah. But it's like, no, that's a fetish and yeah. that's not a healthy way to look at people because you're objectifying people. Yeah. Don't objectify people. Yeah, like, why can't you just be happy with the white privilege you already have? So, <laughs> I mean, I... I'd like to have white privilege, but still look like me. But I'd like to have white privilege. That'd be dope. That's. I think that's what we're constantly striving and fighting for. Yeah, I just want privilege. Can it just not <laughs> right. be white privilege? I just want to have privilege. Can we just be, like... Let's just take all of that out of it and just yeah. be on a level foot. This book was triggering, triggering on a racial level. Clearly. And it's so funny. I was talking to Jay and I'm like, I wonder what she thought of this. Because like, you know, you're white. I'm like, but I, I not saying that you don't understand. I'm just saying like, I wonder if you're like, what? it put me in a place of definitely a deeper understanding. Like, I think I have. A decent understanding just because you and I are best friends. Dude, we and, talk about intense stuff all the time. And, you know, I obviously have not experienced anything you have experienced, but I've been there while you have, mm -hmm. or at least in the aftermath. But, you know, to get another person's perspective is a whole different window. Mm -hmm. And I think more people should. And I think that's why we decided to start reading more books written by people. Black people yeah, or people of color or anything. Women, yeah. yeah, women and, you yeah. know, and it's it opens your view, it opens your mind, and it kind of puts you... I like books like this because it puts you in the shoes of another person. Yeah, she did a great job with that. And it's on you. It's on you to seek out these books. It's on you to read. It's on you to research. And <sighs> Man, that's a whole other thing. Like, I, I can talk to you about stuff, but I'm not going to go up to a random black person and be like, hi, I'm white. Can you please explain your experience of being black to me? No, that's not on them to educate me. It's on me to educate myself. And it's also like, bro, existing as a person of color is hard enough. I don't have time to hold <laughs> I'm not going to give you stands. a history lesson. Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. But yeah, this book was really good at that, at yeah. making me feel things where it's like, oh, okay, this is like covering some stuff that I had very deep down. Yeah. But even then, like, even without that, it was still just, it was a really good book. Like, it was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Now, I will say, this is my only complaint of this book. Mm. There is a complaint. Not a complaint. Oh, my God, Megan. Oh, my God, Megan. She hates it. I'm just kidding. A small commentary is that, okay, so after the Blue Eyes experiment, she comes back. She gets asked her essay questions of, did you feel more beautiful? Did you like the Blue Eyes? Do you not like the Blue Eyes? Are your eyes sensitive? Are they in pain? Et cetera, et cetera. And... She starts going through our identity crisis of, like, does this make me less me? Oh, but yeah. She, yeah. I, yeah. 
She wakes up the next day and her eyes are back to normal. Mm-hmm. She's herself again. This is where the book does start to get a little repetitive. Because after the tooth thing, and then after the eye thing, it's a lot of them just being given different drugs and her not really understanding what's happening. And what's crazy, too, is that, like, you're, like, reading what she's experiencing and you're, like, what does this thing that you took do? Right. Like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to notice between the lines or... It's something so minute that I wouldn't understand. This is where I wish there was... Like, I I don't mind being left in the dark a little bit, but I would have liked a little bit more explanation of we're testing this drug to do this, but it's really... You find out it's really this. You know, like, we're, we're testing this antidepressant, but really it's making them, like, hear voices or something. You know what, though? One thing... Like, a pattern of this book is, like, basically, you know, they're not giving any explanations for anything. Right. To the and, to the subjects. Yeah. And I think that's on purpose, obviously. It's, like, how much stuff can these white people give these black people? And how yeah. much, like, longer are they going to do this yeah. because of how desperate they are? I don't even think... It's a study. I think that yeah. they're just torturing them just to see how long they can torture them for. And even that, though, like... I wish it would have done a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like, I think from this point until like a little bit before the end of the book, it is a lot of back to back of her just kind of losing her mind. We're going to get to the next big event. But, you know, for for quite a few pages there, it is just kind of like, I'm given more drugs. I don't know what's happening. I'm given more drugs. I don't know what's happening. And it kind of goes back and forth. No one's answering my questions. Charlie has a birthday. What's crazy, too, is like the period of time isn't that big. And she's given a lot of stuff. A and lot I think of drugs. even her at that point has disassociated because she I, keeps reminding herself, like, I'm doing this for my mom, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's not that bad. You know, it's fine. You know, I haven't lost my teeth. It's fine. Yeah. I guess I just wish there was like a little bit more detail mm-hmm. in this kind of like, it, it felt a little like filler. Well, also, since we're relying, relying on her. As a narrator. Yeah. But even that, like, even though it's unreliable, mm-hmm. I still would have liked her unreliable narration yeah. of what kind of I guess with horror the big events, she was like, this is what happened. And yeah. So and so and so and so. But yeah, with the small stuff. Moving then on to, you know, the bigger events. The book does continue in that pattern where it's kind of like day by day. She gets a new note card. She figures out what happened in her quote unquote day job. And then she gets drugged some more. Eventually, the next big event happens. Mm. So, I'm going to let you. Okay, so they're given these pills, and Lena doesn't really want to take them at first, um, but they're all sitting at a table, and they're all kind of, like, speculating what this could possibly do. They're looking at it, and they say that it looks kind of foggy on the inside. Yeah. And so they're all taking the pills. They're all being watched to make sure they're taking the pills. And one of the subjects immediately starts having a seizure. There's, like, blood coming out of her nose, her ears, and she, like, dies on the spot. Yeah. Um, right then and there, I just spit it out or make myself throw up. Yeah. And Selena is determined. She's like, I'm not taking these drugs. I'm not doing this. So she kind of keeps it in her mouth and she spits it out later. But she does get called to Dr. Lisa's office again, and she's forced to keep taking them mm-hmm. because they're like, we're going to watch you swallow these pills. She's taking these pills and she goes back to the office and things are speeding up and slowing down. Oh my God, that was so freaky where she, Judy had sent her an email and she she was like, 
you just sent me this. And Judy's like, this was like two hours ago. Like, what are you talking about? And Like Lena, time suddenly had no meaning. Yeah. And so then she ends up like kind of passing out or whatever. She has like a seizure. She ends mm-hmm. up like laughing hysterically. She falls on the ground. And then she wakes up in a hospital bed. And there are scientists around her. And she's acting like a vegetable. She knows she's kind of better now, but she wants to figure out more what's going on. So she's like vegetizing herself. I think the first part though, she kind of was because she was trying to say words and they weren't coming out. Right. Which would be terrifying. But her brain was more there. Yeah. Her brain was there, but her mouth wasn't happening. So then when she wakes up again, she's kind of like, okay, I'm going to act this way to kind of get some information. Right. It's like a person who is just kind of watching her in the bed. They're not really a doctor or anything. They're just more like a nurse. Mm-hmm. Not even a nurse. More like a PCA type of thing. Where yeah. they're just like, we just need to make sure you're not going to kill yourself. Yeah, you're, you don't need any license to like get someone to take a walk. So this person takes her on a walk and she's taking her on a tour through the building. And this is where Lena gets to discover the rest of this facility. And she realizes how crazy what is happening is happening. And they take her to like... A room of vegetables that are, like, mutated. They take her to a room of animals that have been mutated. And she can hear them talking. Yeah, the animals, like, talk. Then there's, like, animatronics, like a giant Bigfoot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a robot. And it's all AI. So it's, like, they're clearly experimenting with AI. And they're experimenting with genetic mutations. Mm -hmm. Eventually, she gets taken to an area where all the scientists are watching a video... So earlier, she had explored on her own the facility, and she found out they were keeping small children in the facility, but she didn't really dig deeper into it. Well, at this part of the book, we find out we find out kind of why the children are kept at this facility. So she comes up to this room where the scientists are watching this video, and it's of one of these little girls that was kept at the facility, and she opens a safe. And it has, like, different objects in it. One of the objects is a gun. And everybody, all the scientists watching this, including Dr. Lisa, are kind of like, let's see what she does. Let's see if she goes for it. The little girl grabs the gun. And one of the scientists is like, I think we're taking this too far. And Dr. Lisa is like, no, we're not. Shut up. Yeah, like, we have to see this through. The little girl goes into her parents' room and shoots both her parents dead. (sighs) And mind you, this is it. Mm-hmm. You never figure out why. You never figure out what the little girl was given. You never figure out what happens to the little girl. This is the last time you hear of this little girl. Yeah, and Lena and her like pretending to be a vegetable is like, is this what they're doing to us? They're yeah. like seeing how far we can go until we like hurt people or hurt ourselves. They're drugging us to the point of making us do things because what would you have to give a child to make them kill their own parents? Like for real though. So Lena kind of gets led back. To her bed because the doctors are like, she is not supposed to be up here. But the nurse lady is like, it's fine. She's a vegetable. Yeah, she can't even remember anything. She can't even talk. So she goes back to sleep and she wakes up. And then there are other doctors. The next time she wakes up and they're just questioning her basic things. And she's now coming to grips with, I think, how evil this facility is. Yeah, no, they have no regard for There's her There's no health. moral qualms. Yeah, they do not care about her at all. And this is when she kind of decides, like, I think she gets fried at this point and they take her back home. Oh, that's true. And the thing is, too, through throughout this whole book, she's, like, trying to, like, get Charlie on her side. And it was like he's refusing to kind of admit, too, that this is messing with him 
Yeah. And so she's, like, having to be, like, the only person here that's, like, this shit's fucking crazy. Yeah. And y'all are crazy for, like, acting like it's not. So she's completely fried. She goes back home. And she finally admits to her mom what's been going on. And this is where it takes a wild freaking twist. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is where you're like, oh my God, I get it. Kind of. I'm really happy that she did tell her mom though. So she finally tells her mom. Her mom goes into all these letter boxes and pulls out an admissions letter from a similar study. Turns out. Her mom was this sick because she had also entered into the same study years ago and that she doesn't even remember becoming pregnant with Lena. That's why Lena doesn't know her dad. Yeah, she like had fallen off of the planet for two years. And when she came back, everybody was like, oh, she was just on drugs. Yeah. And no, she was part of one of these trippy government studies. And then... A whole news article is released. So it tur- So during all of this, there were these protests that had been surrounding the facility about government testing on black people. Oh, and then the the lake in in Lakewood being like infested, like, like runoff from this this testing and all of that. Yeah. So all this conspiracy theory stuff that was kind of happening on the outskirts of this book comes to the forefront, and. Lena's mom is like, you know what? We're going to go to the hotel. We're going to go to your apartment. I mean, not your hotel. (laughs) It felt like a hotel. Yeah, it was. We're going to go to your apartment. We're going to grab all your stuff. We're going to run. We're going to make a run for it. So they go. This part was weird. It was so, so this is where the book just like, you're like, wait, what the heck? Yeah. So they go to her apartment. All the furniture that she had been given, everything gone. Gone. All of her possessions thrown on the floor. And so they grab all her possessions and they know that there's something going on with the lake at Lakewood. So they go and the lake is like foaming. Yeah. Frothing and foaming. And this woman is in a boat in the middle of the lake and everybody on the outskirts is like anybody that touches the foam goes insane and dies. Yeah. And so they're like, that woman's going to die. Yeah. But her and her mom are like, well, this is weird. And then they go to a cafe, they open the newspaper and there is a letter in the newspaper submitted that they're pretty sure is from their, her grandmother. Her grandmother. And it's talking about how she had agreed when she was younger to be injected with different drugs for this study. <sighs> and this causes Lena to think that she was targeted for a Gen- multi-generational yeah. Yeah. study. And... When they go to the facility, it's been completely cleaned out. She can't find Charlie. She doesn't know where anybody is. She doesn't know anybody else's real names. So they go back home, and the rest of the book is her kind of trying to remember everything, but also trying to heal, looking over her shoulder, feeling like she's being watched. Oh, yeah, thinking that, like, someone's going to come to her house and, like, kill her. But that's what, so this book comes to a very abrupt end. Yeah. Like, all this crazy stuff happens to her. She's drugged. She's, Oh, when she was at her apartment, she was, like, trying to Google stuff. She couldn't Google certain things. But then when she went to, like, use, like, a computer at someone else's place, like, not in the area. No, she went to the library. Yeah, she went to... And someone else was logged in. Yeah, and she was able to, like, look up experimental stuff. But on her phone, she wasn't able to look that up. And then she discovered... She was, like, undressing, and she discovered a scar over her heart. So while she was in the facilities, someone had 
cut her open, she doesn't even remember this. So at the end of the book, it's her like kind of touching her scar and looking over her shoulder, remembering everything that kind of happened to her that she wasn't sure about, trying to reach back out to her friends, trying to rebuild her life and see where she's going to go from here. And that's kind of the end of the book. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you want answers, if you want clarification, you're not going to get this from this story. Yeah. And yeah, we were talking about it earlier where it's kind of like, um, if you've watched Get Out, you know the ending. It's his like friend from the TSA that saves him and blah, blah, blah. But like that moment before you see that it's his friend from the TSA and he's like standing over the white chick, you see the cop car and you're like, He's going to get arrested. He's going to get arrested and he's going to probably freaking die because yeah. that's what happens to black people in America. And then it's his friend from the TSA. So you're like relieved, like, oh, right. thank God. Like, it thwarted your expectations. Yeah, and it's like all this really horrible stuff happened to him, but thank God he's fine now. That's right. what it felt like, where it's like, it's almost like you forget all the horrific things that happened because like right now her and her mom are okay. And I don't know how I feel about that. I feel really awful for thinking that. I like, mean, it was it like, kind I of was, brushes I, it aside. Yeah. Like, well, she got all this money, yeah. so it's fine. I was, like, relieved that it wasn't worse. But it was horrible, you know? It was kind of a traumatizing book. Yeah, like... I definitely, like, I finished this book in about a day. Yeah. Oh, man, half, it was intense. Me too. And I was probably in a slump afterwards for about three days. I, like, didn't even know how to talk about it okay, with so, Jay. This book gave me the feelings I wanted to feel when we were reading Molokai. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what I want from a book. Yeah, it's like you have the subject matter that could be this thing that's to make you feel things and be like, what? But no, it was stupid. Maybe it sounds insane, but I, you know, I love it when a book kind of destroys me for several days afterwards. I kind of like that too. It kind of reminds me that I'm human and I'm capable of feeling shit. Yeah, you feel that empathy. Like you legitimately feel what this character went through and you feel her pain and confusion and trauma and just trying to be a support for her family and how far you're willing to go. Yeah. But also... Like you want to validate her experience but then also be like, it could be worse. Like, how do you even go about that? How much of your humanity are you willing to sell to take care of someone you love? Yeah. That was what was horrifying to me is I'm like, you know, what would I do for a person I loved? Would I sell myself? Because that's basically what she did. She sold herself. Yeah. And I mean, I love my mom, love my dad. And I, I don't think I could be tortured for three months straight for anybody. Man, I don't think I'd make it. I've been through sorry, some mom stuff. and dad. <laughs> like I've lived on a mattress full of bed bugs. You know what I mean? And that, that was, was enough for you. Horrible. Was... You know what I mean? So I feel like I'm definitely capable of doing that. If I felt like there was nothing else that I could possibly do, this honestly didn't seem that much. And honestly, I've done that in my life, even in relationships where I'm like, well, I guess I'll do this thing because like it's not gonna kill me. So yeah, I don't think of myself that much. And I think that's society that makes me feel like I shouldn't regard myself as much. And maybe that's something like a theme here too, where it's like, this is just it. Society just takes from us. And like, we try to get what we can get. It's kind of also like, it's a theme of almost like martyring yourself. Mm. Like how much do I have to martyr myself? How much do I have to suffer in silence to be taken as someone who is going to save the day? Yeah. Like I'm a martyr for this person. I'm a martyr for that person. So it was definitely an interesting 
theme throughout the novel. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It was crazy. Yeah. It was just crazy. It was I, a like, great book. It was a really good book. Yeah, I haven't been this, like, mind-boggled from a book in <laughs> such a long time. And I've read, like, literally every single thriller you can think of. Asterisk. Swearing. Coming up. I'm going to say a cuss word. But Fuck your uh, ears, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I would give this... 10 mind fucks out of 10 mind Absolutely. Fucks. Like, this was crazy. In 272 pages. It sounds wrong to say I enjoyed this book, but I enjoyed this book. I'm like, bro, Megan, how did you this, do this? And I think this is her first novel. How did you do this? So, thank you. Once again, this was Lakewood by Megan Giddings. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I mean, like, it's not just, like... For people of color. It's like, it's honestly a discussion we should all be having. And it's also, even if you don't necessarily relate to the issues that a black person faces, there's so many issues she faces just as a young person kind of struggling just to just pay bills, just to survive. Human. Yeah. I mean, I related on a level of being an art student. I related, you know, there's something that you can relate to no matter what. And then everything else that you can't necessarily relate to, it can push you into those boundaries. And I think that's a good thing at the end of the day anyway. I mean, it's kind of like those Saw movies where it's like, you know, these people are judged on these like things and like, what will they do to try to get out of that? How much do you value your life? And so people are like, oh, I would never do that. I would never be in that situation. It's like, you don't know. Yeah. You really don't know. And you can't really talk about stuff that you don't know. I can 100% say that, like, I would be just as willing, probably. I don't know. Maybe not now because I'm in a better place. But back then, absolutely. And again, in the book, like, the author doesn't give you a number of how much this woman is being paid. So... Who knows if you're in that desperate of a situation where it's your mom's life literally in the balance, how much of yourself are you willing to give for that amount of money and that amount of, you know, insurance and medical help? Like, mm-hmm. that's insane. Yeah, so, I mean, just in terms of desperation, it's a good to, it's a good book to look and see and question your own morals and your own morality and your own sense of self. What I love too is that, like, she took it all without outwardly complaining. Yeah. You know what I mean? She knew that it was a shitty situation. She knew that. There were no, like... But when it got to be too much, she still was able to go to her mom. Yeah. And I loved that. Like, I did love their relationship. Like, even as much as... There were some parts in the book where when her mom was starting to get better because she had this great insurance, she mm-hmm. was, like, almost mad at her mom. Yeah, she was, like... I have to basically suffer for my mom to feel normal for once. But at the same time, my mom's normal now and I'm not there to enjoy it. That's and, the mom I wanted. And yeah, exactly. Like she's feeling the best she's felt in a while and I'm over here suffering. Feeling the worst I've ever felt yeah. ever. And it's like, this is great for her because she hasn't had that. But like at the cost of my fucking health. But then you discover that it's all the same thing, that her mom's suffering because of what she's doing. So now it also pushes you to question, what's going to happen if Lena decides to have a child? Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, hey. Is Lena going to have to suffer through the same health issues that her mom's suffering from? Oh, man. Yeah, this book was incredible. I'd I'd give it 10 foggy pills out of 10 foggy pills. Yeah, definitely a mind trip. If you like any sort of psychological drama, 
this book is definitely for you. I I feel like reading the description, man, doesn't do it justice. It literally did not even scratch the surface at all. Yeah, and so yeah, definitely recommend this book. Again, Lakewood, absolutely incredible. Lakewood, Megan Giddings. Lakewood, Lakewood, Lakewood. Lakewood, Megan Giddings. Did you get that, Dad? Lakewood. Yeah, Megan Giddings. So that concludes this podcast. We will catch you next month. Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. We had discussed it slightly in another podcast. In the Molokai E podcast. Yeah, in the Molokai E podcast. It's from an African-American guy, Ryan Douglas, and it's about um, a black kid who's queer. But he also sees ghosts. Yeah, so basically all of like my Twilight, Supernatural, Harry Potter fantasy with a person of color. So I'm excited. So if you want to check that book out and read it before our next podcast comes out, feel free to do so. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, novelideapodcast.com. Yeah, send us an email if you have questions, comments, or concerns. I don't know what you would be concerned about. We're literally just talking about books, but yeah, sorry if this is all over the place, but the book was all over the place, so please forgive us. Yeah, but it was a good book. So it was read it. a great book. I think also <laughs> when something's super good, you like can't talk about each part fast enough, you know? Right. So I felt like I was all over the place, but just read the book. Okay. Just read the book. So novelideapodcast.com. That's where you'll find all our social media. You can send us messages, whatever, follow us. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye.